0: As a driven dentist, you see the world differently, where some see scarcity. You see abundance. When others want to give up, you keep going. You're building an amazing life of significance. That means you can't rely on ordinary advice from ordinary advisors to get to your goals. You want advice that's going to help maximize your net worth so you can take even better care of the people you love, the causes you care about, and make your dent in the universe. But the fact is, this advice remains hidden because relatively few professionals are well versed in them, and the extremely affluent don't care to let you know about them. Join us as we pull back the curtain to reveal the often hidden advice and strategies used by today's most successful individuals and families. Welcome to Dental Wealth Nation, here's your host, Tim McNeely.
1: Welcome everyone, I am so excited to have you here today and I don't know about you, but every once in a while I peek at the headlines and every time I do, I am so sorry I looked at the headlines because you can never figure out what's going on and and we wanna help solve that for you today, especially when it comes to something as important as maximizing your success using real estate. And, And by the time we finish today, you're gonna know that there's professionals who are in your corner, that's right, in your corner who can help set you up for real estate success. You're going to have a different perspective when it comes to thinking about your lease. And particularly, we want to give you that different perspective so you don't get taken advantage of. But even more importantly, you're going to feel empowered and confident to get the lease that you deserve for your dental practice so you can get out there and thrive no matter what the headlines are saying. And, and when it comes to helping doctors and dentists, just like you, make even smarter decisions with their leases and real estate, I don't know of anyone better than Laura Raggle, and she's here. She's a return guest. I'm so excited to have her back here again and just to share so generously with what's going on in the market and what you can do to maximize your profitability through real estate. So, Laura, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me back on, Tim. Yeah, you are my first return guest, and I am thrilled to have you back.
2: Well, it's an honor to not only be on once but then twice i feel like that's one for the record books there
1: yes it is and so you know for those of, of us who don't know you give us a little bit of a background what do you do and, and how do you help doctors maximize their profitability and success through real estate
2: so tim i've been in dental world for i want to age myself here but over 20 years I started as a clinician and then sold capital equipment and supplies for a major distributor and really found that my heart was in real estate. And this was a way for me to take my experience as a clinician and my previous sales experience and then also going to still say the business side of things by helping doctors with their second highest expense and usually their biggest pain point in their office. Uh, so I started with car about four years ago and here in the Los Angeles market I do cover all the way up to Fresno which is a lo- little bit of a little bit longer drive but I love the market up there and then over to the Central Coast and down to Santa Barbara
1: so now when you say real estate I know I and maybe a lot of our listeners are thinking well yeah right real estate broker buying and selling properties. like I, I don't need that like I just I have a lease I talk to my landlord so so like like unpack that a little bit for me. Like, like, How do you really help doctors in terms of, of what they're doing with their practices?
2: Absolutely. It's a very big misconception in the market. Many dentists get out of school, they either buy a practice or start a practice, and then they just keep signing that lease every time the landlord puts it in front of them. And then the next thing I know, 20 years have gone by and they've never known or even taken the opportunity to explore looking at that and addressing those terms they they assume that once they've negotiated it it's a done deal and they just kind of keep signing that every time it comes to the table and what we have found is that over 20 years 15 years many of our clients are paying thousands of dollars over the market There's terms that were written into the contract that the dentist wasn't familiar with at the time, maybe didn't have an advisor, an attorney, educate them on what those terms mean. And, you know, serious repercussions in terms of ability to sign or sublease, relocation clauses, um, you know, a lot of things that can be detrimental to their practice if aren't properly addressed in the beginning.
1: Hmm. Well, now, right. I'm a doctor. I'm going in there. I've got my practice. I'm getting ready to sign a lease like like the landlord has all the power, right? I mean, like how much power do I as the 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 person signing the lease like, yeah, I'm going to write checks. But like, do I really have any power
2: in this? Absolutely. Dentists especially have a less than one percent national default rate. They are a class A tenant. Uh, We call them blue chip tenants landlords drool over having medical professionals. And I think, especially after COVID, many landlords now really love medical tenants because during that pandemic, they were the ones who were still open and paying their bills on time and paying you know, the rent and still servicing the communities. And we're still keeping those shopping centers alive during that time. So the opportunity is definitely there from at any point in your career, whether it be the initial negotiations when you're looking for a space, but also throughout your career as you look to either expand, relocate additional offices or just your options that come up every three, five, seven, ten, whatever terms you have in place. Those are all opportunities to renegotiate everything that's in the lease, not just the financial terms. Any legal language can also be addressed at that time. Landlords will often tell clients, oh, you don't need to have anybody represent you. I'll take care of you. Or they call the sign of the listing agent that's on the side of the building. And that individual works for the landlord. And the landlord himself has done maybe 20 to 100, couple hundred deals and most of my clients, I ask them this question. I say, how many real estate deals have you done? And they say one. So who's in a better position there to really take care of you and and address your needs? And ultimately the landlord, this is how they make a living. They want to maximize their profitability through the real estate they own by charging you the most rent you're willing to pay. So if you think, and if they think you can't or won't move or don't have any leverage, they're going to hold all the cards and you're not going to be in a position to get the best terms on your lease.
1: Hmm. Wow. Right. So, so, it's, so it's such a common misconception and I see it missed all the time. So thank you for just right for, for empowering us and letting us know that, yeah, we actually are kind of in the driver's seat and, and we can do some negotiation here. I, and I certainly want to get into a whole bunch more questions, right? I want to start talking about, you know, leasing versus purchasing. I want to talk about, right, you know, what is the difference for a startup doctor doing this versus someone who's acquiring practices or even someone preparing for retirement. But I, I, I want to even back up a little bit and just ask you, what do you see going on in the, the market today, right? I mentioned the headlines are all over the place, right? Real estate crash, real estate's holding up. It's like, right, what do you actually see on the ground, right? I don't care about the headlines. I want to know what you actually see as a professional working in this industry every single day.
2: We've seen some changes in some actually opportunities, which is a really good thing for my clients. Uh, Los Angeles historically has, you know, less than 3% vacancy rate, which makes it very difficult to find opportunities for purchase and or lease space, especially in a retail center where maybe there's already another clinician there. So that can sometimes be difficult to to find opportunities. We were hoping that we were going to have a lot more vacancies and a lot more opportunities. We did get some during that time, but rental rates remained very high, historically high still. Uh, The Rates now rising are still competitive in terms of, you know, interest rates are still in, not, they're higher than where they were at 3%, but this still from an, an average, this is right where they were back in like 2018, 2019. And there's actually a little more properties on the market now. So there's still a lot of buying power that's out there. We are not seeing anything slow down in terms of movement of people transacting, doing business. We see people engaging, taking on investments of properties or looking to purchase real estate. So I say it's business as usual and things are full steam ahead and people are still investing in themselves and their practice and Landlords are kind of holding pretty firm on on rates. We are seeing more concessions. They're understanding that cities are a little bit backed up. So permitting times, we're getting a little bit more for construction and some delays that we've seen in that aspect. But financially, it's pretty stable.
1: Okay, so things are still moving forward. And right, I I certainly see it with the the dental practices I'm working with. People are having great years and their practices are, are running pretty well. And, you know, the staffing seems to be the biggest issue, but, you know, in general, the practices are, are doing well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We, we find the same thing. And and actually, there was kind of some pent up demand. Uh, people have a little, you know, more disposable income now that they weren't really spending during the pandemic. And now they're looking to do things like that crown that had been, you know, on the watch list for the past two years. They're now mm-hmm wanting to do some of those services that they had put on hold. And my, most of my clients are do, having their best years ever.
1: Yeah. Now, right. Do- doctors are certainly in different stages of their life. We've got doctors who are just starting out and maybe acquiring or or starting their first practice. We've got practitioners who are in mid-career. And then we've got practitioners that are you know, looking to exit in the next couple of years. So, right, we've got different stages, but, you know, in general, when's the best time to start looking at your lease and seeing if it makes sense to to renegotiate or get better terms? Is there an ideal time to do that? And does it matter where you are in kind of those three categories Do you take different strategies depending on where you are?
2: Yeah, absolutely. We tell people anytime is a great opportunity to have your lease reviewed. It's always nice to know, even if you just renewed your lease with someone else or did it by yourself, it's always a great idea to say, hey, where do I really stand in the market? What are the comps around? What are the concessions that landlords are giving in this market? So it's never a bad idea to always ask that question, no matter how far out you are on your terms. But when you're truly ready to start the negotiation process, we like somewhere between the year and two year mark, mostly because we want to create the proper leverage. Everybody knows it takes, everyone who's built an office <laughs> or has investigated this process knows it takes every part of a year, even a little bit more to negotiate, get through the lease, do the construction, get moved into a new space. And so if you've come to your landlord, three months before your lease is expiring, he's pretty sure you're not going anywhere. So it's really important to know where you stand in enough time that you can then go to your landlord and create the leverage of, hey, I have other opportunities that are, might be available to me. And I want to look at these options. And But I also want to consider staying where I am. But if that's the case, again, they think you can't or won't move. They're in no position to give you any concession. So Mm. it's the timing is the most important part because of the extensive construction that goes into a dental office. It's really important to not come two weeks before your lease is expiring um, and try to negotiate something with your landlord. Okay. So,
1: right. So it's always a good time, like you said, to know where you stand, to, to just right, have an idea of like, what does my look, lease look like compared to everyone else's? But if you can start that renegotiation process at least 12 months out, that's going to give you some leverage then because the landlord's going to realize, oh, yeah, you actually do have enough time to do this if you
2: want. Yes. Yes.
1: Okay. I, and
2: so, you know, what are
1: some th- like common mistakes that that you find when people try to negotiate their leases?
2: Not knowing the market, not understanding what, where they currently stand. Often clients want to focus on just the rate. That's typically the most important thing to the landlord, because just like you, doctor, they have a lender involved. They have maybe a board or trustees or if they're a REIT, they have shareholders, you know, they all have people that they're accountable to and how they show their worth to those lenders or shareholders is by their rent roll. So they're not going to take a dollar off your rate um, (laughs) because then it makes their cash flow look bad. So, you know, I don't favor the landlords. I work for the tenants. But I understand that if you want to get a good deal in the market, you have to play the cards a little bit. You have to understand what's important to the landlord and position yourself strongly. Because if you come into the negotiation and none of it makes sense for the landlord, he's going to tell you to go pound salt. But if you come into this negotiation with a fair market rate, which is understanding where you stand and concessions that really make sense, especially if you've been a longstanding, good tenant, your credit is good, your financials are good, you pay your rent on time, you're not a problem tenant. The landlord wants to keep you there. And there's money in the deal that's there for you to take and use to your advantage, but not if you come in and make unrealistic demands.
1: Interesting. And I certainly want to hear a little bit about that money in the deal. But uh, if you want to hear about it, go ahead and hit that like button, stick around to the end, and we'll we'll tell you how you can find some free hidden money in those leases. But yeah, got to stick around to the end to, to get that. So if you want to hear it, go ahead and, and hit those like buttons and uh, let us know and type in the comments. Yeah, help me find money in my lease and we'll help you do that. So, you know, Laura, another kind of common question that I'm sure you hear, I know I hear is, you know i'm looking at leasing a building or buying a building like like how do you start thinking through those things right leasing versus purchasing
2: well first step is you know where are you in your career are you just out of school are you 5 or 10 years in are you at the end of your career you know it makes sense to Obviously, in a market like California, 99% of the times, it it almost always makes sense to purchase real estate. If you can find real estate that's available in your market, and if that real estate cash flows, I cover large geographical areas. So I have people in, you know, Fresno or Bakersfield, where you can still get a building for maybe $2 million. I also cover a market like Studio City and Sherman Oaks, where if you want to try to buy a building, you're looking closer to the Four to six million dollars. So, you know, we have to take a look at your practice and what really makes sense from a cash flow. There's absolutely nothing wrong with leasing, and it, for your practice, it makes a lot of sense for a lot of people. But if purchasing real estate is important to you, you know, we we need to crunch the numbers on on what you're currently paying and take a look at. Okay, we have to now factor in construction and loan terms and rates and. You know, how much longer are you going to practice? Will you have this paid off? What is your end game? Are you planning to sell your practice? Are you planning to stay on? Are you bring on an associate? You know, we, we don't just sell you real estate. We really want to do what's the best thing for you and your practice. And some of those questions all just boil down to to really where you are in your practice and what's your long-term plan.
1: Yeah, right. I, I think that's so important to to stress because that, that's one of the things I'm always helping my clients do. And I know you do that too. It's, it, it's, we help provide clarity for people, right? We help them get clear, not on our vision for the future, but their vision and right. Just taking the time to review that and figure out like, Hey, what do I actually really want out of my practice? And the more time you spend thinking on those things and really carving out, like, what does my clear future look like? All of a sudden, those decisions of, you know, purchase versus leasing becomes a lot clearer and a lot easier to make if you know where you want to go. But the problem is a lot of us, we just don't know where we want to go in life sometimes.
2: Yeah. And and it's a numbers game. You know, I, it's a very emotional decision, just like residential real estate, you know, commercials, just as emotional of a process. This is your livelihood. This is where you spend eight to nine, 10 hours a day. This is how you support your family. This is how your staff supports their family. So there's a lot of moving parts to it and decisions that need to be made in the process. And aside from that, I try to take that part out of it for my clients and look at just the deal economics. You know, I put a spreadsheet together where we really truly compare the side-by-side of what it's gonna do in terms of leasing versus purchasing for the total cost of ownership over the time, and then sit down with a doctor and say, you know, how long are you planning to practice? Because this loan is, you know, 25 year term. And this is the payments, but this is going to be your equity at the end, you know, what it what is your plan. And once we put numbers in writing, there's there's no, as you know, Tim, there's there's no hiding from numbers. right? Yes. <laughs> they show they show what's happening. And then it gets a better idea of what you're currently paying. And, and, you know, we always refer to to CPAs and financial planners, I am not that role, but we always, you know, want them to have that in-depth conversation with what makes sense, because there are a lot of deductions that you get when you do own real estate. And um, even during the financial crash of 2008, uh, things stayed pretty consistent here. They came back pretty fast here. And as we see now with happening in real estate, the The market just keeps growing so an investment in yourself and your practice and having a stable location where you kind of have a consistent rent is is always the best way if if it cash flows for you
1: yeah i know very very powerful and so so let's take the scenario and and and, right let's say we're you know doctor we're we're, we really want to set ourselves up so that we can get the absolute best terms on our deal, whether that be you know purchasing real estate or leasing real estate, what are some things that, that we can be doing right in getting ready so that we're really setting ourselves up so that we can get the best terms on our deal?
2: Well, if you're purchasing, you definitely want to have a conversation with a lender. You know, we can go out and look at properties all day long, but if we don't know where is comfortable for you monthly, where you are able to be and having that pre-approval process we, we can't put an offer in on anything and in today's market you pretty much have to come in at full ask and you have to put an offer in almost immediately if you want a property especially if it has the considerations which are specific for your use Dental has a lot of considerations in terms of parking and being in the right location from your existing practice. You know, we can't move a practice in Los Angeles six miles away. That could take you an hour for your patients to get there or your staff to get there. So there's a lot of considerations that need to go into, into play when looking at uh, real estate. So we have to be very strategic. And if you want to purchase, we actually recommend that you start that process about three years before you're ready to to actually engage and open for business there. Just because of those logistics, the negotiations, finding the right property and then, you know, moving forward. But having that pre-approval when you come to the table with me is. A gold mine because then I can really establish what market we need to focus on, where might be a good fit for you and set that set you up. So if something lands tomorrow, we can be first on the table.
1: Oh, OK, now, right. I'm going to play the devil's advocate a little bit here, but, you know, I've got a buddy who does commercial real estate. yeah, he, you know, did a dental building a couple years ago, but he does a lot of commercial real estate. Like, like why is that person not the best fit for me as a a healthcare professional, a dentist? Why shouldn't I work with my commercial real estate buddy as opposed to someone like you? What are some differences there?
2: I always tell my clients, you know, I focus on just healthcare. Could I do a restaurant? Could I do a, you know, a, a beauty salon. Sure. I could, I could do the deal, but would I be fumbling through it a little bit? Would I have to spend hours and hours of more time researching requirements and zoning and the particulars for that use? Absolutely. Would it potentially affect my client because I wouldn't have that information upfront and we might miss out on opportunity? Yes. A hundred percent. So having somebody who understands what can be done in a market, you know, clients always send me buildings that, well, I found this building online and I, why don't we take a look at this? And I'm like, cause it has two parking spots <laughs> and it's just not going to work for you. And it has this and this, you know, and I can see obstacles that are going to be a problem with the city, um, or with parking or for your patients right away, because I understand not only the real estate side of it, but I understand the dental side of it. So understand how to build out a dental office understand what contractors are looking for when they get into a space in terms of hvac requirements electrical requirements what's that going to cost for you to change those things out if they're not currently in place so just a totally different perspective when i evaluate a building for a client based off of my dental background and experience
1: yeah so right it really is that knowledge so right my commercial buddy down the way he could do it but he may bring me five buildings And then all of a sudden through the process, we find out, well, it doesn't have the parking. It's not zoned correctly. And so it really can be a much longer process. And I may end up with a building that I fall in love with that I end up buying. And then I find out, well, it's actually not going to do what i wanted to do because of zoning requirements or right? i actually don't have the space i thought i required to build the practice and so yeah no i i agree with you i think that industry knowledge is so important because you know dentistry is a very narrow slice and it it's got a couple little things that's uh not a lot of people are aware of
2: yeah it and has so. a lot of moving parts and and that's regardless whether you purchase or lease you know a lot of times people look in office buildings and they say well this building's great why can't I go here or and it's it's because it mostly it's the zoning and the parking and every city is different so Glendale is different than Burbank than Los Angeles than you know Santa Monica they all have different city requirements and different parking requirements and it can change literally one street over so it's really important to just understand what is allowed in a specific area
1: yeah no very very true and so you know talking a little bit about just you know kind of coming back to the the lease right i know doctors always love little tips and strategies and things well, what are some tips what, what are some things that we should be looking at when we're looking at the the lease that we're about to sign well, what should we be paying attention to
2: Well, if it's a new lease and you're kind of entering into uh, this for the first time and you're looking to maybe do a startup, um, and this also applies into a practice acquisition is, you know, you want to take a look, like we've talked about already, Is you know, where do I fall in the market? Um, How much tenant improvement allowance is on the table here? How much time are they giving me for construction to build out my space? Am I getting any additional free rent here? You know, what are my restrictions in terms of assignment or subleasing this space? Because we don't want to limit ourselves in the future for opportunities if we want to maybe sublease it to another dentist because we bought a second location, or maybe we are ready to sell our practice and we want to be able to not be held liable. Um, That's often in most assignment languages, they want you to maintain a personal liability for sometimes a year, sometimes it's the entire rest of the term. And that could be five, ten years, and you would still be on the hook for that. So those, those are little, you know, things that we always take a look at in the lease. Those are my major I also want to look back if you're buying a practice, I want to look back what concessions did the previous doctor get, you know, how much has this tenant that you're buying the practice from paid into the landlord and what have they given back to this tenant in terms of concessions? Because now we're coming in as a new tenant and typically in a practice acquisition, most of those offices need some freshening up, right? You want to make it your own. You want to put new paint, new flooring, things like that.
1: Excellent. So so really kind of paying attention to those those little things can, can really make a big difference. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, how does someone end up engaging in, in working with you? I mean, it sounds like this might cost me a lot of money to do this.
2: Well, Tim, the good news is <laughs> just like residential, we are paid by the landlord or the seller. So often people think that that means that my commission is getting tagged on somewhere in their terms. I have many clients who started the transaction on their own, and what they find is that once we get involved, we're typically able to better the deal by about 20 to 30%. And the reason behind that is because we've done deals in all of these markets. So I know what concessions are available, and I know where we can push and how to get that extra amount, not because I'm adding in my commission to that amount, because I truly understand the market and know what the landlord's willing to do. Every landlord has either a property manager or a listing agent that already has a, a preset fee that they've negotiated. So when you come in unrepresented, they don't say, well, since you don't have your own broker, that fee that I would have paid them and split with them, I'll just give to you. It doesn't work that way. They have a separate fee, actually, when there's a broker involved and when there's not another broker involved. So if you come in unrepresented, they're just they're working it and keeping their fee for themselves. And if you bring me involved or another agent involved that can help you, there's a different fee that the landlord has negotiated that's split between myself and the listing agent. Um, and like I said, typically, I better the deal about 20 to 30%. Right,
1: I, and, and, and I remember the first time I learned that years ago, it, it blew my mind that, I right? Just imagine, right? You're a doctor, you can get representation, you can have someone in your corner, fighting for you and they get paid by the landlord not out of your pocket and you can get better terms like my mind was blown and actually i worked with one of your colleagues who helped me renegotiate some lease space and we got massive tenant improvements much better deals our rent went down right it it was amazing absolutely amazing and so you know i I am such a fan of, of what you do of what your colleagues do in really helping doctors make smart choices and fighting for them and being advocates for them. Cause I think that's so missed today. And there's so many professionals that do get taken advantage of and to have an advocate and someone fighting for you is so powerful.
2: And just to help navigate the system, I, I give a lot of free advice, you know, clients call me and and they're, you know, what do I do here? You know, the, I got this lease it's expiring or I'm, I'm buying this practice and the, the lease seems like a mess. What should I do? And, you know, I really truly love helping people and I don't like seeing people getting taken advantage of. I have done deals for free for clients. Um, I've given tons of free advice for clients, but also if I can help just connect you with the right person to help you for whatever the, the question is, it's, you know, when we, when we work with clients, it's not just, Hey, do the deal. See you later. It is, you know, who's your attorney in this? Do you have a CPA? Do you have somebody helping you with your wealth? Do you have, you know, a contractor? Do you have an architect? We have all of those contacts. And I make, you know, introductions to all those people. We never take referral fees for any of our services from any lender. I'm connecting you with this lender because they're the best person for you, not because, you know, I'm getting paid in in this deal. But ultimately, I want you to open for business because I want you to tell your friends about me. And I want to host your opening party and I want to come and like recommend you and support you. And when you do Office 234, I want you to call me again. So it's, you know, putting goodwill out into the community and being a resource for people who help people. And, you know, still being able to be a part of dentistry has been the best part of, of being in real estate and helping these actors.
1: Yeah, no, that, That's incredible. And, and, and another little thing that most people may not make a connection between is, you know, in this country, we're also facing a retirement crisis, right? Retirement is on so many people's minds. We, you know, once again, you turn on the headlines and Social Security is running out and there's, you know, we got inflation going on today, right? Just all this crazy chaos that's going on. And, you know, really owning real estate can help set yourself up for retirement, can't it?
2: it's one of the best ways to create a long-term annuity for yourself and um, you own the real estate. Hopefully you've had it paid off by the time you're ready to retire. You then sell your practice, which we recommend that you have a practice evaluation done somewhere five to 10 years before you're looking to retire. That way we can get an idea of what your current worth of value of the practice is. And also, you know, Hey, maybe I you stop doing some of those other services. Um, you know, what can we bring to the table to kind of raise that um, your you know your production levels up so that way you set yourself up for for retirement and then in addition that's a great time to take a look at your lease um, you know when you go to sell your practice it's a very stressful time and you're there's a lot of moving parts it's very emotional process the last thing you want to be doing is trying to then negotiate with the landlord for your <laughs> lease so that the new doctor can take over. So you know if you're thinking of retiring the next five to ten years you know, send me your lease, let me review it for you. Let me help you get some money now to update paint flooring, um, save you a little bit money, make sure that rental rate cash flows, make sure that you're in good shape in that regard. And, you know, invest in some technology in your practice so that it's more desirable and, and more attractive to a younger dentist who's coming in. And then they buy your practice and then you then lease the space back to them. So you get that kind of built in annuity and, you know, the, dent- the incoming dentist, you can offer them an option to purchase at some point in time so that when you're, when you're ready to, to, to not have that real estate be part of your portfolio anymore, you, you have a, a client who you've already earned trust with your patients that you can easily sell your real estate to them too.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and you're right. There, there's so much stress that goes on when selling a practice and just, a little bit of work up front can actually help the whole process go a whole lot smoother. And and to kind of illustrate that, I'll share a quick little story. My wife and I have been working on her parents' house. They're both in assisted living. They're not living there anymore. We're we're working on you know getting you know personal stuff out of the house that they've lived in for forty years, and we've done it little by little by little, and we finally got to the point where hey we're ready to like you know kind of shuffle some stuff around and get ready to like paint the inside and get new carpet. And we went over there and we were able to get everything done in a single Sunday. But the reality is it wasn't just done in a couple hours on Sunday. The truth is all the hard work had been done over the last year, year and a half. So that when we finally showed up for the last step, it went really smooth and really quick. And the same is true with transitioning out of your practice, right? If you're doing a little bit of things along the way, right? If you're getting those practice evaluations, if you're, you know, working on renewing the lease, then all of a sudden, when it comes to transition, it's going to go a lot smoother because you've covered a lot of those bases.
2: Oh, that's my number one advice to people is to plan ahead and prepare for that. And and truly understand sometimes... They don't even know where their lease is when they go to sell their practice. You know, they've been there for 30 years and they have, you know, 10 or 15 amendments and they're not even sure where everything is and some's on paper and some's digital. So, you know, being organized with your system and, and really understanding where you stand in, in your lease prior to getting to sell is, is the most important thing you can do to set yourself up for success. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I know. So true. And and here in a couple minutes, we're going to dive in and, and really tell people where they can find some of that hidden money in their lease and, and how they can get some of that and and, and really improve their practice. But first, I want to dive into just you as a person too, Laura, because one of the things I appreciate about you so much is, is you are a driven individual. You've got a positive attitude. And and that's something I'm always looking for. And the, the strategic partners I work with are people who are responsive, people who I like and, and get along with. And so You know, when you think about just kind of entrepreneurship and and growing a business, do you have some favorite books for entrepreneurs and dental entrepreneurs that you would recommend?
2: I follow a real estate guru who was editor in Success Magazine, but now he does a mentorship program. Definitely a real estate focus, but I think it's a valuable learning life lessons for everybody. His name is Darren Hardy, and he wrote a book called The Compound Effect. And it's exactly what you talked about uh, Tim, in your story of, you know, cleaning out your in-law's house of the one item at a time, it's, it's the compound effect of every day just doing a little bit and mm-hmm. how that really adds up over time to really affect your business. So, you know, every day, if you just make sure you check that day sheet and every day, if you just, uh, you know offer one more whitening case or one more Invisalign case. And it's what it does to your end result. Um, and in my business, it's, you know, one more podcast or one more, one more call where I give out free advice to somebody and help them and how that, you know, incrementally grows my business over time. And, and it, it translates to every single industry.
1: Hmm. The compound effect, right? How powerful, right? Just those little things that, that add up over time.
2: It's truly remarkable when you you don't see it at first, you know, it's those little things. And then all of a sudden when when I get a call from a client and I and I heard that they heard my name from four or five different people that I've, you know, had the opportunity to to spend time with or share or help. And then it you know, it's kind of like, okay, well, that's where it really circles back and that is the compound effect.
1: So true. And so what are you working on right now that you're, you're passionate about and, and that our audience would care about? Are there any projects or, or initiatives or, or things that you're really excited and, and passionate about right now?
2: Yeah, Tim, and you're part of it. We um, started talking about doing our dental startup group. And unfortunately, I tore my meniscus and had knee surgery a couple months ago. So we're, and then of course, summer is a little bit of a time where people are gone on vacations, but we're looking to start that up in September. We're going to be doing quarterly dental startup. Uh, group events where you can just come and, you know, no stress It's not a PowerPoint presentation. We just want you to be able to come and network with other, you know, dental industry experts and, and ask those hard questions that you don't know the answers to and look for those resources and just a really casual environment, you know, where, where it can just be an open conversation. So I'm really excited about that. I think, you know, it's, the blessing of the internet is that we have an opportunity to learn so much, but the negative of the internet is there's just so much. And then, and it's overwhelming to navigate. And this is whether you're, already in your career and you're looking for for next steps or you're starting up there's there's just so much to know and learn and understand and really having people that you trust and that really care about you and your business and and are going to be an advocate for you and and a great advisor for you is so important so we want to be those people and tim i'm so excited that you want to do that with us and i'm really really excited for that so that's going to be starting in september so stay tuned
1: yeah, no, that's going to be a, a great thing because because like you said, so often we're so lost and we don't know who to turn to. And and I always tell people, talk to as many people as you can and learn as much as you can, because then when the right things comes along, it's really clear because you because you, you figured out 12 things that were wrong for you. And that's OK. It's like like if you explore something, you're like, oh, I would never do that. That's a win because, you know, like that's not the right thing. Yeah, and, and so many people think like that's a failure, but no, that's a win to like figure out what you don't want.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, like Abraham Lincoln, you know, failed failed several times and then got to be the president. So you gotta kind of keep keep going after it and keep learning.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so so we've been teasing people about how you're going to share how they can find some hidden money in, in their lease, and, and can you can you can you dive into that a little and, and share how. If we go through the renegotiation of our lease or or even the first time we we do a lease, we can find some hidden money in there that can help our dental practices even more.
2: Yes. So typically when dentists do a startup, I'll use that as an example, and you sign a 10-year lease to start. There's always gonna be escalations in that lease. At the 10-year mark, actually we like to talk to you about eight, eight and a half, year nine. There's an opportunity to reset that rate. So, like we've talked about many times, we wanna we wanna know exactly where we are in the market and the timing of when to start that negotiation to reset that race. Because during 10 years, Tim, you know, there's there's economic ups and downs, right? We're kind of on the hinge of something right now. Nobody really knows. Things are still running pretty hot, but we're seeing some things change and we don't know if there's gonna be kind of a more significant recession or what's going to happen. But as though, as that time goes over 10 years, you've, you've typically outpaced the market, but we like you to have that security when you first start out, because you have a loan to the lender that you've taken out to construct your space, to buy equipment, to do, you know, working capital and things. But so you want that security of a 10-year lease when you start, but typically after 10 years, you, you're either on pace or outpace the market. So it's really important to know where you are in terms of that rental rate to try to reset that. As assigned to that rental rate, if you're in a medical building, you're likely going to be on either a modified gross lease or a full service gross lease. And what those mean is that your some or all of your utilities are included in that rental rate. But how they determine that is also based on what's called a base year. So for anybody who has those leases, look through them now and find when your base year is. If you don't ask to reset that base year, the landlord does not always reset that for you. And we can go through a longer conversation on that on another podcast on base years. But the gist of it is, is you're overpaying for your operating expenses. And so that is like the number one item that gets overlooked at leases that most doctors don't even know exist when they're on, they don't know if they're on a modified gross or full service lease. They don't know if there's additional pass throughs. um, You know, is there a reconciliation of the books at the end of the year and what's going to be passed through? Or is it, you know, based on a base year or not based? So, you know, all those things are, really overwhelming if you don't understand them and if you haven't asked for those to be reset there's a pretty good chance you're overpaying on your operating expenses if you're in a medical building
1: wow right it's kind of like the cable company or your cell phone company they lower rates but they never call you to tell you (laughs) Right. (laughs) and so right it's kind of your job to reach out and, and watch out for your best interest and uh and, right, what a great thing to have an advocate in someone doing that for these doctors. And so,
2: yep. And last point is just too that, you know, like an apartment building, when a tenant moves out, they paint a new flooring, right? If you've been out of place for 10, 15 years, there's money in your deal for new paint and new flooring. At a minimum, you should be asking for that on your renewal options the landlord is almost always, I've actually never had anybody not give me money to update paint and flooring. Hmm. And, you know, it might only be $10,000, but that's $10,000 that you didn't have before. So take into consideration that everything we save on the lease, it's the compound effect. So it's a penny off, maybe we save you five cents off your rate. Maybe I get you a month free rent. Maybe I get you $10 a square foot in tenant improvement allowance for paint and flooring. Doesn't sound like a lot when I just say it that way, but if we take, you know, five cents times, you have, you know, 2000 square feet over five years, we're talking about thousands of dollars. Um, The fact that you didn't have to pay out of pocket to update your space, paint and flooring. And clients now, after COVID, want clean spaces. They want to come into a space that smells and looks and feels new and clean. They want to know that you have the best technology. They want to know that you're up to date. So spending, if the landlord can give you that money back and you can update your space and and show your clients that you're kind of investing back into the practice, it's a goldmine.
1: Yeah, no. Wow. Wow. Right. What, what an amazing thing to be able to help doctors with. And so, right. If someone wants to get their lease looked at, if they're saying, yeah, you know, I, I'm really curious about this. Like, like, can you actually help me out, Laura? What's the best way for someone to get in contact with you? What does that process look like?
2: My number's scrolling across the bottom there, Tim. So thank you so much for putting that up. Feel free to email me. Um, typically, I like to see your current rent statement. And I also want to see your lease, including all amendments. So if you can dig those out, the original lease is always really important as we talked about, because that's where I'm going to look for things like assignment language and some other items that we might want to have a conversation with as part of the renewal. Um, Often too, they don't disclose in the amendments like your square footage. And I want to know exactly how much space you have if, in a medical building you might have a rentable and usable square foot so i need to kind of know all of those details to determine you know where you stand and then you know the original time when you sign the lease because there's times where you there's a lease commencement and then there's a rent commencement so there's different dates so we really want to make sure we understand when your lease is expiring and and how we need to time things and then all of your market conditions so if Anybody wants a free lease evaluation, I'm happy to take a look. You don't have to be expiring anytime soon. You could just redone your lease. Happy to do um, demographic and market comparison report for you, give you an idea of where you stand, and set you up with a reminder for whenever your lease is expiring next year, two years, five years. Unless I win the lottery and then I retire to Fiji.
1: Yeah so so you can actually kind of be that reminder too if, if someone sends you in and they say hey you know i, I just did this i you know no i'm up in five years right you can look at where they are now and say hey i'll call you back a year and a half before this expires so you don't forget to do it
2: absolutely and i do that for a lot of clients they you know because you're busy focusing on dentistry your job is not to do real estate so let me take that off of your hands for you i set up an account for you it's You don't have to sign anything. There's no, you know, I just create you a a list in my system for you. So I have all your contact information, put those dates in there. And then I get a reminder and then I reach out to you. And in fact, I did that. I had a client I met with uh, three years ago and his his lease is just expiring next year. And I said, we're a year out. It's time to get the ball rolling. And he was incredibly grateful because, you know, he's trying to manage his practice, not manage, not manage that part. So that's something that I'm always willing to do for clients.
1: Yeah, and, and this is something I, I would recommend every one of you do, no matter where you are in your lease cycle, right? Get someone like Laura or Laura herself, who I recommend. She, she's fantastic. But get someone like her who can help you manage these things because your life is so busy. And, and the truth is we do forget to do these things. So so get an advocate. Get someone who's going to help you and remind you to look out at, at these things so that it just doesn't get forgotten. And so, Laura, before we sign off here, any closing thoughts or or, or last ideas for us or, or things that you'd really like to see dentists do even more of?
2: Definitely want dentists to know that there is an opportunity for them to negotiate terms. You're not stuck. I know you spent a lot of money to build out that space, but don't think there's not an opportunity to move in the future. To expand to grow your practice to, to honestly do whatever you want to do if you want to take an implant course or you want to add on an associate or you want to you know spend three days with your family a week and you want to bring an associate in to help you with that you know we will find a way to make those things happen for you so the is the limit and understanding that you have rights as a tenant understanding that there are people to help you and represent you through this process and really have your best interest out there, whether it's me, my partner, or any other real estate agent focus focuses on healthcare. It's just really important to contact somebody who can, who can walk you through the process and, and help set you up for success. Cause they don't unfortunately teach real estate in dental school.
1: No, no, they do not, and uh, you know, but but they do teach a lot of numbers. They go one to thirty-two, and <laughs> think beyond that, it gets a little fuzzy. So, uh, well, hey, thank you for coming back and, and just giving us some market updates, letting us know what's going on and, and what you're seeing out there. And, and I know I'm walking away just right once again, just knowing that there's professionals in, in in your corner who can really help set you up for real estate success, and and who can help give you that different perspective on your lease so that you don't get taken advantage from. And and I know I certainly f- feel more empowered and more confident that the doctors I get the privilege of working with, the doctors that you get the privilege of working with are really gonna get the least they deserve and some great terms and, and not be taken advantage of. So once again, thank you for sharing so generously with us, Laura.
2: Thank you, Tim, it's been an honor. I All appreciate right. it. Uh, looking forward to having
1: you back again too.
2: Yes, round three. Yes. <laughs> All
1: right. Hey, thank you all your listeners. We'll see you again soon.
0: You've been listening to Dental Wealth Nation. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show. Join us next time as we pull back the curtain to reveal the often hidden advice and strategies used by today's most successful individuals and families and help maximize your net worth so you can take even better care of the people you love. Until next time, make sure to hit the website at dentalwealthnation.com.